The Best of Times, live from 710 Keel Studios in Shreveport, Louisiana, celebrating age and maturity, helping you make the best years of your life the best they can be. The Best of Times, your host, Gary Kaligas. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for listening to our show today. I'm Gary Kaligas, the publisher of The Best of Times, the only magazine and radio show for mature adults in northwest Louisiana. Do thank those who might be listening via the internet at www.710keel.com or listening via the Keel application on their Apple and Android devices. In just a few minutes, we're going to talk about and gain some advice about assisting our kids and our grandkids from squandering their future inheritance. So stay to the show for some very beneficial information for you and your loved ones. Now that we have the vaccines for COVID-19, it's going to be up to you to make that decision to get the vaccine in the coming weeks and months. So hopefully these vaccines will help us help us, and help the world get back to normal as before quite soon. Be sure to pick up the current issue, the best of times, of many of our 270 distribution locations. Thank you for the many compliments about our magazine. We do appreciate hearing from you. Remember, if you're unable to find a copy, you can always visit our popular website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com to view both current and past issues as well as the 2020 and soon to be 2021 Silver Pages Senior Resource Directory. In addition, you can listen to previously broadcast radio shows of the Best of Times Radio Hour. Yes, we are finalizing our 2021 Silver Pages, and with over 4,000 listings have been updated and checked, and so much additional information has been added. The 2021 edition of Silver Pages will be released to the public on March 1st, 2021 in printed form, as well as on our website and apps. There is a new fraudulent activity happening in the Shreveport and Bossier area, but also across the United States. Criminals have obtained personal information from individuals via a data breach that took place a long time ago. And they're using this information to fraudulently file for state and federal unemployment compensation benefits. This occurred during 2020 between March and December as these persons could apply online to receive unemployment benefits without the need of showing up at an employment off unemployment office throughout our country and also because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Annually, each of us will receive numerous statements from our employers, banks, investment companies, but also federal and state agencies that state that we have received the following benefits, Social Security, tax recon, as well as unemployment benefit, uh, employment payments. So around February 1st, these statements were mailed out throughout the United States, and most of us really don't open them until we, finish, we start working on our tax returns. However, a couple of days ago, I decided on, Feb, uh, on about February the 2nd to open my statement, and I did find a Form 1099-G, which reported unemployment payments that I supposedly received during 2020, which I did not and did not file. I have not been employed by a company uh, by over 20 years ago. So I am definitely one of those victims of identity theft. The form stated that these financial benefits will be reported to the IRS and will have to pay taxes on them. So I contacted Louisiana Workforce Commission, who stated that, yes, they have, they have been aware, have just become aware that uh, there is an international crime ring that used previously stolen data to fraudulently fly unemployment benefits in the states, including Louisiana, but they did not know which claims and which uh, individuals were 
erroneous or false. So my suggestion is to you, if you haven't opened your mail, you need to open your statements and forms and see if you have one of those suspicious IRS forms 1099G for unemployment benefits. And if you do, you need to start the process in contacting your local law enforcement agencies and definitely contact the Louisiana Workforce Commission or the Texas Workforce Commission, etc., to fill out documents so that you can uh, attach uh, certain documents to your tax forms so you will not have to pay taxes on that particular item. Again, I hope this scam and fraudulent activity uh, did not occur, but I advise you to check on it soon because it might have affected you. And you need to also determine, as I did, I contacted my credit card companies and various other credit bureaus to identify this as identity theft to put a stop and on my credit as well as to avoid them um, getting credit cards and loans, etc., on my behalf. We'll be right back with more information, but now we're from our sponsors and advertisers. You make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by AARP Louisiana Neighbors, Tunning Country Rush Report, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary Kaligas will be right back with more Best of Times Radio Hour after this on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Gary's back with more Best of Times Radio Hour on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Welcome back to our show, The Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by AARP Louisiana and Ebers, Tenant Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. I'm Gary Kaligas, and I do thank you for listening to our show. Joining me on my radio show today is a very special guest, is Mr. John Smallwood, who is the president of Smallwood Wealth Management, and he's a recent author of a book entitled It's Your Wealth, Keep It, The Definitive Guide to Growing, Protecting, and Enjoying, and Passing on Your Wealth, which is a... Uh, is a great thought. We hope we pass that thought. Well, thank you, John, for joining us today here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. Gary, thanks for having me. So, you know, why I decided when I got, got some information about you and about your company and about your topic, um, being a senior and a senior citizen, and many of our, my seniors out there are, are thinking about the same questions. Uh, they they're worried that their kids and their grandkids are going to squander their inheritance, and they want to do put some protections in there that they don't they don't blow their uh, the the money that they give them in four months and not pass it along to their kids or grandkids or keep the legacy going on the family. Have you seen that? Has there been an increasing an increasing concern about this? Oh yeah, tremendous. Um, you're seeing. You know, what has taken a lifetime for people to accumulate, in essence, being spent in a matter of, you know, year or two years uh, by the people that are inheriting it, or worse, which we're going to go through in this conversation, is the money going to people that they really never had, any, you know, any idea that their money would go to some third party that wasn't family related. And that's what really drives people really crazy. Wow. I mean, you know, if you want to get into the to the to some of the examples of that, we can do that. Yeah, uh, we'll do that in a second. But I I want to also we have a question here that uh, you know why do you think that there is a generational disconnect in talking about wealth between your kids, your your grandkids, but definitely your kids. I, I've I've seen that, and I a, a lot of people uh, are scared to tell their kids about their their wealth and their financial aspects they just said hey you know mom and dad will take care of it i don't some of them don't care right john but it's important that they understand it isn't it i think it's really i think it's really important and 
we're coming off of a generation where the people now in their you know mid to late 90s, right? right. Their parents never discussed wealth. They never talked about it. And the people that are now in their 70s, the kids of these people, there's, there's a fear of discussing the wealth with the family and the kids is one, they might need to borrow some, right? Which you don't want to do. Um, or they look at you as a, as a, um, as a, you know, as a bank, the bank of mom and dad, and <laughs> you're trying to do what you want to do and you don't want to have to say no, but it's, there's that, if I don't talk about it, nobody's going to ask me for it. And here's the thing that I see a lot of times people are sitting, you know, they're sitting on massive, you know, fortunes or little fortunes and they're at risk and the kids don't know that they're going to receive this money, which is a good thing in some cases, but it's also a bad thing because they're not prepping for it properly or the parents are on what I call a spend down and that spend down is going to put the kids in a, in a, in a potential pickle of cash flow when they don't expect it, right? You know, there mom is. and dad ran out of money. They either we have to help them pay for their rent or they have to move in or we got to buy their house or, you know, these are things that you don't, and that you don't expect to have happen to you. And I think it's, there's this, you know, we don't talk about money or politics, right? That's <laughs> what the lesson is. Thanks, Thanksgiving, you don't talk about either. <laughs> that is true. That is two topics that are avoided at Thanksgiving family gatherings. I agree with that. But I'm going to tell you a personal experience that, that I've shared with a number of individuals. I'm an only child, and when my parents grew up, uh, you know, and I was being raised by them, my father and mother hardly told me anything. You know, they owned a restaurant, and they had a bunch of other uh, financial things that I knew he must be doing okay, but never questioned it. But then all of a sudden, my dad had a revelation, and uh, he says, you know, son, I was 21, uh, and I'd already uh, 22. I think it was 22. Graduated from, from, uh, col- uh, from college, and I came home, and I got my first job. And right even before that, he said, you know, you need to know everything that's going on because you're going to have to help mom if I pass. I said, Dad, you're young. You're not going to pass. He says, it could happen any time now. And I know your mother could not handle it. And that's what happened. The talk became. And it lasted for a few weeks, several days. He went through everything. And fortunately, less than a year later, he did pass away unexpectedly. And so I had to take care of all of the aspects of all the family. And my mother was so thrilled that we had that talk because she said, I don't know what I've done, what we do. And we would have to grasp it all. Right, up. and that's, that's such an important thing, Gary, that, that, that conversation of where I am and what needs to happen is so often misunderstood and, and, and skipped. And there was, there, there's this thing that goes on, like there's lost property, right? There's mm-hmm. a website that you can go to and you can, you know, you hear it all the time, like banks and stuff like that. But there's so much money buried, literally buried really? in tin cans and in jackets <laughs> and under rugs. And, exactly. My, you know, my parents of, 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 of ethnicities, of, of yeah. Greek ethnicity, they, they tend to bury things in the backyard. My father had, had some of that uh, stash the cash certain places and actually had property that my mother was not aware of in Texas. I mean, I was when he started telling me, I said, does mom know this? Nah, I forgot to tell her. 
he had bought it by himself right. you see, uh, years ago. And sure enough, you know, we had rights to that. After when I when he passed away, I said, "Mom, do you know we have property?" No. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, was there oil rights on it? Like, it was, and it was uh, there were some oil yeah. rights on it, and and but. Uh, we sold the property and kept the Orowites, but that was cool. But uh, but, but without, but I'm. And it's like, I, you know, it's really yeah. Go ahead. So I, I'm I'm in, I'm want you to emphasize the point. I've been telling some of my uh, uh, individuals that you know I'm 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 starting to tell I'm 70 now, so I'm starting to tell my two sons a little bit about all my aspects, and so in case when I go, but I've, luckily I've written it all out for them. But my father didn't have much written out. That was a sad thing about it. He had a lot of. Uh, different books, but nothing was specific. So when we, when we started talking, I started writing. I'm a writer, so I love to write a lot of a lot of details. And so we we did that as well. So what? So we're going under that. So we talked about the disconnect. We we hope that more individuals out there will share the information. You might have to start the talk um, with your kids, definitely your kids, possibly your grandkids, especially if if you are. You have a, only one child. I mean, and that person's going to continue your legacy, and we'll we'll be dealing with all your financial aspects when when you're when you're no longer here. So, uh, and, and that and that and that a critical when you when you have siblings, they they might can join together to learn what's happening. But and and I I always emphasize. I'm sure you're going to emphasize that they need to have a, a very specific will out there, especially. And um, that's one thing I've done and advocated, but. But, John, I will tell you, in my lectures throughout the area for many years, the percentage of people that do not have wills is extremely high. I think over 50% of the people oh. I've, I've attended do not have a will. Don't think they need one. They think their son, their daughter, granddaughter will take care of everything when they die, or their mother or their wife, spouse. Hey, let them take care of it. I don't need to, I don't need to tell them how you're going divvy to divvy out the funds. You know, it's like automatic. I said, no, it's not automatic. Right. No, and depending on what state you're in, I mean, there could be probate fees. There could be, you know, just some bad mistakes. But oh, one of the yeah. keys is like, what do you really, what do you want to have happen upon your death? Like, where do you want your money to go? How do you want it to be passed? How do you want it to be protected? It's such an important part of it. And there's, there's so many little nuances that a will or, or a revocable trust or something to that nature that just cleans up. It makes it easier for the person who is going to administer these things to actually push it to where it's supposed to go. Um, without a will or a revocable trust, it's just more right. complex. Well, let, let me give for him, the person, like on the other end. Yeah, yeah. Let, let me give kudos. Um, John Smallwood has written a book. It's called "It's Your Wealth: Keep It: A Definitive Guide to Growing, Protecting, Enjoying, and Passing Your Wealth." And your that book is awesome. I mean, I, I've read it once, and I'm, I've gleaned through it a second time to, to write down some notes. It is very, uh, a very good book Thank on you. a how-to. And I'm sure you did a lot of research in that particular aspect. So um, it, it's it's worth and I your just while. Hit Amazon bestseller at the end of December. I was the bestseller awesome. in retirement planning and number two in wealth management. So I was thrilled. Well, about that's that. that's so what I was going to tell my your kind comments. 
my uh, tell my listeners out there you can Google it and go to Amazon and it's called It's Your Wealth by John Smallwood. You can you can Google him and it will pop up automatically. So uh, and again I'm going to be putting it on my website as well. I put various books after I have a guest on my show that that people will remember you based upon that. But again I highly recommend it to everyone. It's very concise, very I love the word definitive guide. It is a definitive guide. It goes step by step, chapter by chapter, and it's uh, several hundred pages in length. So it's it's got a lot of great details, and, and so I, I compliment you on that. So what percentage of, of the wealthy families lose their wealth in succeeding generations? I've never, you know, I thought that was an interesting It's comedy. unbelievable how much actually, you know, by the second generation, the majority of wealth is basically gone. There was a story years ago in Forbes, and it was highlighting it was in the early 90s, 94, 95, and it was highlighting the richest families in Manhattan at the turn of the century. And how many how many of these families were still on the wealthy list? And it was less than two out of 100. Wow. The wealth had been squandered and lost and taxed and just poorly managed by the succession generation. I mean, it just... It, it, it's a slippery, and, and the article is called The Slippery Slope of Wealth. I, can't, I haven't been able to find it, um, but I, I, I used to have it, and I used to give it out, and I would read it often, but it's, 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 you see it all the time. You, you see these fabulous you know, stars that have all this money, and they pass, and the money's gone. The money's decimated within a generation. Um, well, I want to ask you this question. Is it dependent upon those individuals that have these wealth, that have these financial advisors that don't know what to do? Or are they are that the, when, when the person dies, they might have had something, but they're giving them so much liberty that uh, they do some, I hate to say, sad investments and sad things that it, it doesn't pass down to the generation? I mean, what What's the reason? Yeah, there's a, there's a combination of those things, right? So... What you see often is somebody is going to be the trustee of their of their wealth, and it could be a friend, it could be the accountant, it could be just a good advisor, and that trustee is afraid to lose money depending upon where it is. So he goes to three or four financial advisors and says, "Be conservative, be conservative, be conservative, be conservative." Mm-hmm. Now, three or four advisors are making decisions, you know that are based upon not the full information and they might be duplicating each other. And then what happens is somebody, oh, that person did really well in the portfolio. <laughs> he did, he made 7% and you made 3.5%. And then the trustee goes and he gives all the money to the 7% guy. But what you didn't realize is the risk that the 7% guy was taking, even though he was supposed to be low risk, and he loses half of it. Yep. You know, and it's like, there wasn't a plan or what was really an interesting thing is that when you look back at the generational documents, right, and you look back at these old trusts of these real estate magnets and oil magnets and, you know, robber barons back in the day, right? Wow. And they made their money in railroads and and canals, right? That's where a lot of the money was made, shipping stuff up and sure. down the Hudson River. And, and their documents basically said, you must, you must reinvest back in canal bonds and railroad bonds. We all know how that turned out. Oh, yeah. Terrible. Bankrupt. Bankruptcy, right? Mm-hmm. So there's this lack of vision, right? And the vision is 
how do you, you know, you want to keep the money together. You want to keep the money, if it's a family business, that's where things get really crazy, right? Is how do you pass the family business and how do you keep it together so that the wealth has its power and its vision? Like, you're special, you did something or your father did something to create this, this wealth. There's this fear of losing it as opposed to understanding how the wealth was created. Right. That's and right. you want you really want them to inherit that idea of the, how it was created as opposed to the dollars itself. Joining me on my show today is Mr. John Smallwood, president of Smallwood Wealth Management and the author of a fantastic book that is called It's Your Wealth, Keep It, The Definitive Guide to Growing, Protecting, Enjoying, and Passing on Your Wealth. So thank you, John, for joining us today here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. So we are, everyone, we are talking about helping you educate your kids and grandkids to not blow the inheritance that they might be receiving from you. And John's already and our in our previous segment gave us some great advice. So, what do you, can you advise my, my listeners out there who are parents to teach their children about finances that will help them handle the inheritance properly? One of the big things that I see is the maturity, right? So, if you think about it, if you inherited uh, a fortune at age twenty versus age thirty versus age forty. You're a different person at all the all, at all the stages, right? Yeah, you know, you're you would you would handle it differently. So, one of the traps that I see is a lot of people, as you mentioned earlier, don't have wills, right? So, if you don't have a will, and depending upon the state that you're in, your kids would automatically and or grandkids would inherit the money at either 18 or 21, right? So, it automatically would flow to them without any restriction, okay? And then I see this this concept happen where there's a will that's for the children, and as as the kids are under the age of 30, everything sort of goes into a trust, but then when the child hits, you know, sometimes I see 25, 30, 35, sometimes you see 30. But what happens is there's this mandatory distribution that gives the money to the child at that time frame, regardless of what the circumstances are, because it basically, you know, the kid's mature enough to actually do that. Well, with that comes a lot of consequence, all right? So what I have seen is different things that would make people very upset if they were aware of where their money was going. So for example, let's say that I, I'm, in, I'm an only child also. Let's say I'm inheriting money at the age of 30 from my parents. And, my, and the trust that they put together in their will said, oh, you must distribute it at age 30 to, to John. And at that time, I inherit that money. What's going on in my life? <laughs> Am I successful at this point? Am I married? Am I getting a divorce? Am I, did I open up a business and it's failing? Now all this money becomes exposed to those potential threats mandatorily it has to happen that way right which is if we knew that was going to happen we wouldn't want to do that so what i'm talking about is think about this and think about this from your are your kids have they found the right person yet oh yes did they marry the right person yet so far so so you give the money to your son or daughter and they don't commingle it because in most states if you don't commingle the money that's inherited it it's not part of a marital distribution. 
But what's, what is, is the income that's derived from those vehicles. Even if, even if it's in a truck and it has a mandatory distribution of the income. So let's say that there's $2 million that the son inherits and it's producing $100,000 a year of income and he's now getting a divorce. That $100,000 is going to get factored into the alimony. Oh, or yeah, I knew that. Yes, calculation. a lot of people don't know that. You're All right? right, a lot of people don't know that. But if it's in a trust that doesn't have a mandatory distribution, then it's not. It should not be subject to the creditors. Or you know, I had this fabulous business pre-COVID, and then you know, I, I was one of those businesses that was really impacted by the COVID lockdown, and now I've got creditor issues that are about ready to come out from all different angles, right? Mm -hmm. And we're seeing this happen across the country, from real estate leases to everything and personal guarantees on loans. And all of a sudden, I get this $2 million inheritance and it's subject to those credits. I I literally, 30 years ago, 27 years ago, I I get a call from an advisor who's a good friend of mine and I'm new at this time. I've, I've been in the business for 30 years, right? So I've been in the business for like three, four years and he says, oh, I have this case that I want you to work on with me. And I said, tell me about it. So there's this kid, he's a sole beneficiary of a $5 million trust. And he's coming out of Atlantic City under the influence of something. And he gets in an accident. Mm. And he names, and there's a lawsuit. And what they, well, what they realize is the trust has a mandatory distribution at the age of 30. This kid's 28 at that time. Can I help him? And, you know, there was poor planning. The trustees didn't have any umbrella policy. They didn't do anything. You know, I'm going to say the kid was on the influence. He's a bad, you know, like, I don't want to pass judgment or anything right. like that, right? Mm-hmm. But, but the reality was that everybody just sat back and waited for the trust that, for him to hit 30, and the money went out, and about $4.5 million of the $5 million was gone to wow. attorney and the lawsuit, right? In good planning, like everybody has what I call bad, you know, just stuff that goes wrong, right? Somewhere along the way. Um, there, along the way, something goes wrong. Do I have good planning? If it's in a trust that doesn't have mandatory distribution, you have control, you have negotiation power. If you buy the proper umbrella liability insurance, so your trustees really need to have this macro plan in place to protect the wealth, right? The wealth is hard to keep, and there's. It, I wrote a book years ago called "It's Your," you know, five ways your wealth under attack, and we focused on, we focused on taxes, inflation, planned obsolescence, technological change, and market volatility as an attack. But there's so many other ways that wealth is under attack, and the other thing, so you start thinking through this is. Do I want that to happen? The worst thing, think about this, right? And this is what my father used to joke about when he would talk to clients why we were partners. He would say, you pass your wealth to your to your child. Unfortunately, your child either gets a divorce or passes away, and then all of your wealth ends up in the hands of that other family, and your family doesn't have any. Um, so you start to think about the possibilities of what's going to happen, like common accident causes and all these things. The key is, what do you want when you pass away? How do you want your kids to handle that money? And sometimes what I find, it makes really good sense to, to you know, as, as your father did, he brought you in and he started to communicate to you, what is this wealth? And then there was, a, there was an opportunity for you to say, oh, wow, this is significantly more than I thought it was going to be. Or, yes. you know, 
or this is that's what I, I thought it was going to no, be. No, that's what I had to make the statement. I said, whoa, Dad. And then, then I got involved. I, I will tell you an interesting story. So after that became involved and I started filling out tax returns on myself, and I, Dad said, no, no, we, we have a tax attorney that we use for the past 20 years. I said, really? It's just all the family members use this, this firm. So, John, here's the short story. So he said, and Gary, he's going to take care of yours, too, just like he takes care of all the family members. So I, I, I had done mine. I'd done some research on the tax law. And I went, you know, I was just uh, right out of college. I was an engineer. I had a, a good salary. And, and, I, and I'd, I'd invested some things even before my dad told me to invest in the stock market. So I had, you know, stocks and bonds and a few things. And so my tax return wasn't complex. So I took it over there to him. This was back in the shoot seventies, you know, seventy something. And John, this these attorneys, tax attorneys from a very large firm that took care of my dad for, and all the relatives. I mean, I'm talking lots of relatives and lots of friends. Told them point blank after they after they they showed me my return and I have done it already. I says, you got you got some mistakes here. He says, no, sir, we do not. We never make mistakes. I said, I swear you do. And then I went to look at Dad's, my father's old couple of tax returns. I when you start showing me things, John, I found so many things that were totally wrong. And he said, "Oh, we, we're going to be conservative." I said, "What do you mean? You can be legal and not have to be conservative, and not not report that? I mean, not report those deductions?" And I had him right there pointing. And they said, "Well, well, sir, you you didn't go to college. You're an engineer. You you should know anything about finances. We're we're the experts." And I said. I brought my dad and my two uncles. I said, you know, we're, we're paying these people like $5,000. And by the way, mine was a small tax return. They, they wanted $3,000 to fill out the tax return. Oh, it wasn't a detailed tax in return. The 70s? Huh? That's huge. In the 70s. That's in the 70s. Oh, you wouldn't believe what my father paid. And these guys, I mean, I thought they were going to shoot me dead right there. And, uh, and they said, how dare you? So I, I said, dad, uncle, aunts, and uncles. I can learn this quicker than they can. And that's when TurboTax, I think, came out or one of those programs. It made this long story. So I went there. They sent us a threatening letter. My father says, how dare you use an unqualified tax attorney to do your tax return? There's no federal law or state law that says you have to use a tax attorney. Is that right? No. No, and they, that's they, why they, you have this do-it-yourself world. Right? They put that in the letter, you know, it's like threatening, you know. And my dad said, well, maybe we should check. I said, Dad, it's not legal. I will call an attorney and find out. And sure enough, it was. So we wrote him back a nasty letter. And so the long of it, after that, for many years, I, I would do all the tax returns for the family. And uh, and it got there was some very complex returns, but, hey, you can learn it. It's not that difficult. And that was like a hobby for me. So I saved them buku bunch of money. Buku's bunch of money. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing, like, like you need to make sure that your advisory team, while they may be trusted, is still appropriate and adding value. Like, that's a perfect example of money being squandered. Like, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars on crappy advice that you're overpaying taxes. So not only are you getting the crappy advice, you're overpaying taxes. Every yeah. time you pay more taxes than you should, you're losing money. Yeah. Well, and my a dad. Money. My dad loved America. He he became an American citizen in 1940 and came from the old country. He loved America. He wanted to give his taxes. And and I said, Dad, you know, Uncle Sam appreciates that, but you don't have to give him that amount of money. He said, Well, I, I you know, I'm get him everything, and because they've done so much for me, and you know, he did real well. He made great profit. Made great, great. But again, you know, you you've got to got to be understanding. You know why? 
And, uh, of course, when, when other people, I, I can go on a lot, a lot of stories, but uh, that's one of them that I learned. And But he had great uh, advisors on stock market. He did a lot of own research, but he did fantastic people that helped him. And they were just wonderful. They're like, like family. But, again, you go to certain tax attorneys. I don't know why these particular people that they dealt with for 20 years uh, was terrible, terrible. Okay, moving moving on. Uh, my, my producer said we're, this segment's going a little bit longer than we thought. So, what I what what really the fundamental thing we should tell our listeners out there: if you have children, uh, you need to educate them a little bit about the, your finances if you've never done but so before. Don't don't think it, they're going to upon your death they're going to just be able to pull the books up and 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 pull your checkbook and find out what's going on, right? Yeah, so true. And like you were talking about that, you put together you know, organizational tools. One of the things that we do for all of our clients is, is we create this wealth curve blueprint, which is a snapshot of everything you have everywhere, and then you got to update it on a regular basis. And what we've been doing with a lot of the families now is doing the blueprint for the kids. And now you see, you can see, here's what I have, here's what you have, Here's how we, the two of us can help each other, right? Uh-huh. But also understanding the complexities, as, as you said, like it's another set of eyes. I, as you said, this is really interesting. Is that you know, if you think about it, your father's game, financial game, was in motion, and he was just doing it, and he was comfortable with it. But the reality is, you came in and you looked at it with a different set of eyes and a fresh right. to it, and realized there was issue that could be resolved and that's what you want to look at is right now you want to look at this and say okay here's what i have here's how you're going to receive the money is that appropriate should i should i be inheriting the money directly outright if i'm a you know if i'm an architect or an engineer or or a physician or i i have a lot of wealth I don't necessarily want to get the money outright because one, it could be subject to estate taxes on top of base, or it could be, you know, in you know where the money is just going to creditors and things that I shouldn't be sending it to. That's you, right. You, That's you, right. You, 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 you really need to understand where you both are because, given the opportunity, you know, if I had a choice to give my money to my family or a corporation or the IRS or something, you know, I prefer to give the money to where I want it to go, but I also <laughs> want it to come with instruction. I want it to come True. with instruction. That's important. Right? This, yeah. is, this yeah. is not meant to be squandered. It's meant to enhance your life and make your life wonderful, right? And it's teaching the kids how to, how to enjoy money and not overspend and not, you know... There's this concept out there that when you inherit money and, and you've never earned money and never made money, you basically, you know, burn it up in a very short period of time because there's this just complete lack of understanding. And nobody wants to see that. I don't want to see that happen. I want, I want this to empower my kids. I've got four kids. I want them to inherit it and to want to enjoy it, but also 
be able to grow it and pass it. And pass it on to their so kids the and grandchildren. That's what I that's what I envision to my kids to do for their for our six grandchildren as well. Joining me on my show today is Mr. John Smallwood with the president of Smallwood Wealth Management. He's the author of a great book called The It's Your Wealth, Keep It, The Definitive Guide to Growing, Protecting, Enjoying, and Passing on Your Wealth. So thank you, John, for joining us today here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. Thank you. Thank I've, you. I've, I've learned a lot in our two segments. We have one this this last segment uh, left. So what are some of the costliest mistakes that people make in their wealth plans? I know there's probably lots of them, but what are some of the most costliest mistakes? What I find is, you know, we talked about it earlier, which is just taxes. Like people are paying way more in income taxes than they should be. They're missing deductions. They're missing ex- expenses. They're taking entirely too much risk, you know, which in, you know, risk is great in an up market, right? But down market is really not good. They don't understand. I mean, I started in 1989, 1990 um, in this business. And you think about it, retirement planning, which I didn't know at the time, but it was so simple, right? <laughs> you could literally put a million dollars in the bank and get $80,000. That's interest. right. That's kind of simple. Today, that same that same account is going to be below 10000 right? Right. So... What we take for granted is people are getting forced into taking more risk, and they don't really understand what their money needs to do to to generate the income that it needs to. And there's also this, so you got to understand how do you generate the income so that it's sustainable, that it's going to be here for the long term, right? Not communicating about the money is a big problem, right? right. But really looking at this and saying, where are my guaranteed income sources, pensions, social security? How secure are those are those cash flows? And what am I doing with other money in my plan that gives me backups and gives me availability? And and how is the wealth protected? And there's this concept is that you know we're worry you know it doesn't matter. I'm not here. The family will survive. Right? And you think about it, the financial pressure that you have north of 70 versus being younger than 70 is maybe greater or potentially greater, right? No. So what happens is, you know, we have we have the biggest problem is the longevity, right? So how long am I going to live? I have no idea how long I'm going to live, right? Well, so studies show that longevity is increasing and all, and especially but there's more 100-year-olders than we've had in our history. So, again, a lot of... And uh, I was doing a, another research report on uh, that healthcare costs are astronomical because people are living longer and they're keeping, you know, continuing healthcare needs. And uh, that, you know, that's you're you're right. So we need to have more wealth to keep keep us going during those particular uh, seventy years old and under that people are living. So right? Yeah, I mean, you look at this and you think about it. Like, okay, let's let's pretend for. A moment that I that you and I both retired in 1980. How much income did we need in 1980 to cover our expenses? No, not that you much. Know, not as much as now. 20, to, to 2020 today. <laughs> let's say like twenty thousand dollars, right? Like because that was mm-hmm. a lot of money in 1980, mm-hmm. right? 
And now, you know, depending upon where, where you live, your real estate taxes could be that high. At okay? least, at least, um, yes. Inflation, inflation, like if people have this this thinking that inflation is this static thing, and it's not, right? It's based upon where you live and what you buy and, you know, what your preferences are. But there's also a totally disconnected concept, which is planned obsolescence and technological change. So planned obsolescence is everything that we buy is wearing out faster than it ever did and needs to be replaced faster. That's right? true. That is definitely And that's true. not inflation. That's, that's new stuff coming out, right? And then you have technological change. In 1980, you didn't need a data plan and a cell phone and cable TV and 19 streaming services to have entertainment. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what's happening is, as we get these, we have inflation that's being masked. It's not really true. Like, if you're buying college tuitions, your inflation's higher than somebody that's not. If you're consuming healthcare, it's not. But if you look at what is it that I need to produce a hundred thousand dollars of annual income today, right? And but and let's say inflation is just three percent. I need $30,000 more money in my portfolio generation in 10 years just to keep pace with the same today. That's right. So those dollars are, you know, and the longer that I go, the harder that becomes. So we need to have this thinking of inflation. So one of the mistakes that I see is people really retire without a lot of thought. They retire too quickly. They don't give it enough thought. They don't really understand where, where they are. And I find it often. I'll, you know, clients will come in and they want to retire, and I'm more. They don't really know where their money goes. Like they say, they need ten thousand dollars a month to live. I'm just going to use mm -hmm. that as an example, right? But I look at it and I see they're bringing in, let's say, three hundred thousand dollars. They're paying taxes. They're putting money in a four hundred one k. But after tax and after the four hundred one k, there's a hundred and fifty thousand dollars that's just you know, that is there, so 120, 100, you know, let's say 100 of that is lifestyle, but they can't account for where the extra 50 was, mm -hmm. right? But it's it's getting spent. So I years ago, I would somebody would say, you know, I was young, I was in the business, and they'd say, oh, I want this, you know, $10,000 a month plan, and i go build a $10,000 a month plan. And then they kept, oh, I need an extra two, I need an extra four, I need an extra, oh, yeah. you know, because they didn't account for all the expenses. So, you know, part of you know, planning a really good vacation is all is a lot of fun, right? Mm -hmm. But planning a really good retirement is more fun, and people don't look at it as that way, right? I mean, when I retire, I want a hundred percent of whatever I'm earning in that year, and I want it to grow, and I want to pass wealth on. I don't want to go, you know, fifty percent decline in my in my standard of living. You know, that's maybe somebody that's retiring too soon. Yeah, uh, sometimes you get forced into it, and you have to. But you have to reinvent yourself, too. But a lot of people are reinventing themselves. A lot of people are getting into other careers. I mean, uh, I could have retired early, but I knew that I, I really, at that point in time, so 20 years ago, I started uh, this magazine, my radio show, and have been very successful and, you know, could have retired uh, comfortably, but not, you know, as much, giving as much to, to other, to my family members and other fam and other, other things. So uh, a lot of people are reinventing themselves and going doing other different careers when they're, 
what they had had before. So I've been seeing that throughout the nation, throughout my area as well. So, John, thank you. really exciting. Thank you for joining us today. It was quite educational. Again, I highly recommend you. We've only touched, just touched his book and his advice. His book is It's Your Wealth. Keep it, the definitive guide to growing, protecting, enjoying, and passing on your wealth. Available on Amazon. Uh, just look him up at John Smallwood, president of Smallwood Wealth Management. Again, thank you for joining us today. You gave us some great advice, and I hope all of my listeners out there and will will utilize some of those particular points to 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 deal with their their situations and to to help their kids not squander the inheritance that they're going to be receiving from them in the future. But also. As my final thing, they should also find a way to enjoy their wealth more, too. That's because a good point. Because people are afraid to spend it, and they're going to afraid they're going to run out of money. So you should find that balance of how I enjoy it and still pass it on. And that's what you should be focused on. Oh, that, that's a that's a great closing point there. Yes, we do. We want to enjoy it. We are enjoying it. We're, 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 we're saving up. Uh, we've already saved tremendous enough to give to our kids and grandkids, but we're definitely enjoying it. We're taking those trips. We're doing those things with, that we want to do. And, 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 and even in, in our current uh, occupation now for my wife and I, we still got lots of time to, to take care of our grandkids and do other things that we want to do and enjoy our lives even at 70. So thank Fantastic. you again for thank Sounds you again like for really uh, figured it out. That's yeah. right. That's right. Well, thank you again for joining us today. Good luck to you, and I hope everything will do well during this particular COVID pandemic time and uh, the winter storm that we're having throughout the country. Uh, so again, uh, take care and uh, God bless. Thank you again, everyone, for listening to our show. Hope that you'll join us next Saturday for another interesting show that can benefit you or your loved ones. Please visit our website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com to learn more about our magazine, our radio show, and other activities. May God bless you and your family. God bless America. Thank you again for listening to our show today. Remember to pick up the 2021 Silver Pages Senior Resource Directory and the March 2021 issue of The Best of Times beginning on March the 1st. I'm Gary Caligas wishing you and yours the best of times both today and every day. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Be sure to tune in next Saturday at 9 a.m. for more Best of Times. This is 1017 FM and 710 Keel.